2: Donald John Trump dominates in Iowa. Historic win. Gets fifty-one percent. He wins by almost thirty percentage points. No one has done that before. Man who knows the Iowa caucuses and knows presidential politics, Minnesota politics, and this frequent guest on the show, the former governor of the state of Minnesota, Tim is here. Can I start with a non political question first?
3: Of course, Chad.
2: Uh, uh, Susie Jones is our news person here, and uh, Susie's uh, trying to stay fit and trim, and I had a salad for lunch, and like 10 minutes after I had the lunch, I'm hungry. So I'm trying to get Susie, I'll buy, she'll fly to go over to Hen House and get a chocolate treat, and we'll share it. She's mad at me for bugging her when she's trying to stay fit and trim, and I'm trying to bring her happiness. Along with the benefit to me that I get it um, am I wrong or am I right?
3: well my wife Mary who's with me in the car at the moment has a podcast that she listens to and one of the things they cover on that podcast is how to deal with food bullies who try to push food on you that you don't want or you don't like and so, wow. Among your many other titles in your portfolio, Add, you are now Chet Hartman, food bully,
2: uh, Dave Harrigan knows there's some truth in that too. <laughs> a lot of truth. There's a lot of truth that I'll say. Hey, how about we each get a hot chocolate? What do you think about that? You know, and yeah, well, you know, there's food
3: pushers out there, man. They just they come You know, I've, I've tried to eat more healthy as I've gotten older, and yeah. sometimes I will eat food that i don't even want just to be sociable and polite but yeah. boy those food bullies and you're not one of them chad i yeah. hate to say it but that, man look in the mirror it's
2: a a i should say you know i chad Hartman, will no longer be a food bully I'll, I'll add that like have you honestly ever had a weight issue in your life
3: yeah you know i weigh 177 pounds now when i was governor and eating buffet food and you know, eating junk food on the road every day, Uh, I was up over 200. And I wouldn't say, you know, it was a major problem, but it was concerning. And uh, it affected, definitely affected my health overall. But now I've got a little more time on my hands to Eat better, and you know, prepare meals and exercise more. So that helps.
2: I would say you and Mary should go have a dessert somewhere. I mean, it would just it would just bring you a little bit of joy. But I am, I Stop am, it. I am, the, I am the food bully.
3: Okay, last tell time we Susie, tell Susie that uh, HR is just down the hallway okay. on the right
2: at Odyssey. I mean, we're bankrupt. We probably don't even have have a HR <laughs> anymore. Um, okay, you said last time we chatted. Unless there's a significant unexpected event, you fully expect Donald Trump. To be the Republican nominee. Um, it was, no matter if you love him or hate him, sir, winning by basically 30 points and getting 51%, they've never been done before. How much credit does he deserve? And how much emphasis should we put on this victory? Because the counterpoint people would say is Iowa's become a very conservative state. It's, it's really a, not a diverse state and only 110,000 people voted. Where do you you stand on those two ends of the spectrum of the conversation?
3: Yeah, well, first of all, the news out of the Iowa caucus is there is no news coming out of the Iowa caucuses. It unfolded exactly, almost exactly, as everyone predicted and knew was going to happen. Maybe it varied by a couple percentage points. But the point is, it affirms, again, Trump's commanding position in the Republican Party and among Republican primary voters, especially in caucus attendees as well. So I don't want to say it was a shoulder shrug or a yawn because it's more important than that, but it simply affirms what we already knew. And by the way, um, even if, say, Nikki Haley, who I like and respect and hope she does well in this race, wins New Hampshire, what happens next? I mean, Trump's 20 points ahead in her home state of South Carolina, and then the other states come fast and furious, and a lot of them are southern states, and guess what? Trump is going to win those states. So uh, absent goes back to what we said earlier, absent some unbelievable existential series of events. Trump's going to be the nominee.
2: Yeah, I I was making a very similar point about Haley earlier. Uh, There was polling last night about Nikki Haley, and she had a high percentage of individuals who in exit polling said if they didn't vote for her, they would vote for Biden over Trump. Those aren't the folks who are going to be voting in in South Carolina and other conservative states. And I'm with you. My guess is Trump wins a close race in New Hampshire. But if she wants to build any momentum towards an upset, and then she loses decisively in the state where individuals know her best, that ends any momentum right there.
3: Well, here's another uh, non-obvious point, Chad. There's going to come a day in the not-too-distant future where DeSantis drops out of this race. These candidates don't drop out until they run out of money. He's running out of money. So he's not going to be around much longer. But when he drops out, guess where his votes are going? Yep. Most of them. They're not, they're, they're probably going to Trump. And so, again, I, I, I really like and respect Nikki Haley. I think she'd be a great nominee. I think she'd be a great president. But uh, Trump's going to be the nominee.
2: If right now... You were going to vote for one of the three. Is Haley the one you would vote for? Uh, yes. Yep. If if it's Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, will you hesitate at all on who you're voting for?
3: Uh, I'll hesitate, and I may write somebody in. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how yeah. this unfolds. But, you know, I voted for Trump in the past, so it's not. Uh, but but <laughs> we're in a really weird situation, and, you know, it, we, we, everybody, I think the more interesting question is between the the strange predicament we find is not what is it about biden or what is it about trump but i think we got to start asking the question what is it about us that leads us to these two choices
2: okay i'm asking that question what we have now the passion and the enthusiasm for trump supporters is much higher than the enthusiasm of of, of biden voters but you also have a lot of people in this country who are more wary of trump than they are Biden. I mean, you still have plenty of Democrats. I mean, the guy has a 33 percent approval rating. So it's not like he's he's starring right now. But why are we in this position when for the, let's say, 60 to 70 percent of the middle of the country, somewhere center right, center left, and almost all of them are saying, these are our two choices. How do we get here? So how do we avoid this? How are we better... I would prefer immediately, but how are we better moving forward in, in upcoming presidential elections?
3: Well, a few things. One is, remember, no labels may put a third-party candidate into this mix and change the dynamics. And even if that candidate doesn't win, he or she may take votes away you know, disproportionately from one side or the other and tip the election in an unexpected way. So that, that's something that's come, that, that could be, if not an existential event, at least an uh, impactful event. And as to your question, I think we have to stop making excuses for the fact that, you know, Biden's old and frail and, and Trump is, you know, goofy, whatever, whatever we want to assign. and say. The, the honest truth is politics reflects our culture. And you got a big chunk of the country on the right and center right, you know, 40 to 50 percent of them, that they're in a Trumpy mood and they support Trumpy uh, issue perspectives. And on the left, They tolerate Biden, but let's face it, they really want somebody even more liberal and, in my view, goofy. Uh, And so these are reflections of who we are, at least half of the population, each side of who we are. So, you know, Biden and Trump have become sort of comical characters, almost, you know, comic level, cartoon level people at some level. But more seriously and less obviously is, does it really just reflect who, who we are? Yeah.
2: And I think, sadly, the answer is yes. It it has to to some degree. You know, like I said, the 60, 70 percent, I sometimes wonder if I'm overestimating that number. So let, let's stay with the third-party idea and remind folks, former Governor Tim Pawlenty is kind enough to join us and giving us great insight, as always. It does seem like Robert Kennedy Jr. is in the race, and and he has this cross-section of followers where – on, on a lot of social issues, he's well left to center. But on a lot of the vaccine and other conspiracy talk, which I personally believe has very little credibility, credibility at all, that's more to the right side. But he, he's going to garner some votes. Let's say if no labels, let's say Joe Manchin ran with another Republican of some prominence. They're not going to win, but they could play a part. Would either one of those get us any closer? To another party emerging over the next few election cycles, I think what it's
3: probably going to, and I think the answer is the history answers that as no. Yep. You know, there's, been, there's no actual historical evidence, or even anything close to it, that would suggest. Notwithstanding all of what you've described, notwithstanding everybody saying they want to be have more, more reasonable candidates, there's no sustainable marketplace or platform for a third-party candidate yet in America. I think that could change if somebody very famous, very populist, and very wealthy and reasonable got into the race uh, or a future race. Uh, but that person has not yet appeared.
2: Let me get to a couple of Minnesota issues. Uh, Pat Garofalo announced today that he's not running for re-election. He started out supporting you. That's, uh, that's how he entered politics. Uh, what do you want to say about Representative Garofalo and walking away?
3: The G-Force is my nickname for him. He is a great guy. I've known him a long, long time. And he's just a no BS, you know, what you see is what you get person. And he's also talented, and he's been there a long time. But, you know, the place is frustrating. He wants to get things done. He's practical. He's pragmatic. And I'm sure he's at a point where, particularly if he has to look at continuing to serve in the minority when you don't have a lot of, you know, final decision-making authority, um, he just had enough. And I would say he has served Minnesota extremely well. He's a talented person who can do a lot of stuff. We're lucky to have had him in the legislature, and I wish he had even a bigger political future. He's a, he's a, dec-
2: he's a wonderful person,
3: but he's also just a very pragmatic public servant, and I wish we had a lot more like him.
2: So let me, let me stay with that, and I'm not doubting that on both sides of the aisle we still have some quality individuals who have who've made this decision to get involved in public service, when a lot of them could have a great deal of success privately. But when you look at what is taking place or what is not taking place, do you worry if we have the right people on either side of the aisle who are now committed to politics, committed to getting things done as opposed to maybe they're more committed to just one or two issues and they're not flexible and they're not willing to work in any way with either, with the opposite side.
3: Uh, yes, I worry about that a lot, Chad, and I would add to that. We're getting more and more people involved in politics who have done less and less before they got there yep. in, these, in the real world with real skills, real experiences, real judgment, real wisdom, real lessons learned. And so you see, I won't name names, but you know, city councils or county boards or even in the legislature or beyond, people making decisions about large, complicated enterprise budget issues, policy issues, you know, healthcare care issues. You know, you've got issues dealing with how capital in, in our society forms and gets deployed and to, you know, people take risk and how they invent and how they innovate and on and on and on. And you have increasing numbers of policymakers who don't know jack crap about any of it. <laughs> and they come as activists. They come as, you know, yep. people with very, very thin life backgrounds and they make big yep. decisions that impact the rest of us.
2: Well, and let me talk about this too. Obviously, the state flag and and replacing the state flag and the design, and and the final selection became a topic. I honestly thought was too big of a topic in town. I I was stunned at how angry people were about it, and and I might have even stunned how passionate they were. But a flag has been selected, and now David Hahn, another person you know well, was the GOP chair. They're they're challenging this. They're pushing back on the flag. I just look at this and say the Republican Party's been battling upstream, as you've articulated many times, on statewide races for a long time. They're battling financial issues. To me, get things done, figure out a plan, get more people on your side, as opposed to appealing to the small part of your base who thinks the new state flag is basically the ruination of the state of Minnesota.
3: Yeah, and, I, uh, and are you cut out there, Chad. Can you still hear me?
2: Yeah, I got you, fine.
3: Gotcha. Yeah, and on the state flag, you know, it's it is literally and figuratively symbolic, and it's easy for people to get their brains around. And you know, I don't love the new flag particularly, but it's not the, the leading issue facing Minnesota. So I agree with you on, on everything you said. I do think you know Minnesota is a blue place, and if the Republicans want to win, be different. If you lived in you know Oklahoma or you lived in you know, Alabama or some place where it's all red and you can just appeal to the base and you get elected just because you have an R behind your name. But in Minnesota, you got to get all the Republicans and a bunch of independents and even some Democrats to win statewide. And they haven't figured out yeah. the math yet. They'd rather throw people overboard of their own ship than invite people on the ship. And until we get to that point of the Republican Party, at least in statewide elections, is going to be a minority party. Now, that being said, I will also say the Democrats are, are overplaying their hands and they think everybody wants to live in a place like uh, the city of San Francisco, and most of America doesn't.
4: Mm-hmm. I agree.
3: Pushing the, yep. We all want to be like San Francisco stuff, and that by itself will self-correct over time.
2: I take parts of San Francisco and not all of it. We're very good at editing, and I heard you uh, in part of that answer saying, I agree with everything you said. Dave, can we just cut this up? What is Tim Pawlenty <laughs> Think about Chad Hartman overall and just says, I agree with everything he said, right? And we, I we think we lost that part, sorry. Oh, we lost that yeah, part. Yeah, too bad. We lost that part. Okay, last thing, non-politics also. Emmys were last night, a number of shows won. Tell me the last uh, couple shows that you and Mary have watched that maybe even you binged and that uh, both of you really enjoyed.
3: Yeah, so, first of all, I saw the still picture in the Star Tribune of the cheer set, the Cheers yeah. cast along, around that bar. That made me smile and warm my heart because it brought back some, some nice memories. I've met a few of those characters along the road. Um, Mary and I have cut the table, and we are streaming almost everything. And our current series we're watching is Homeland. And, uh, you know, we did watch uh, Black, the whole Blacklist. It went on for years and years and years. That used to be on linear television, as they say now, on streaming. Yep. Uh, but we tend to like the spy drama, whodunit kind of shows, but uh, those are two we're watching. Next, we're going to Fargo, by the way, which I'm told
0: is worth
2: watching. Uh, if you're looking for a spy one, Slow Horses on uh, slow Apple horse. with uh, Gary Oldman. They're these misfits who um, they did something with the MI5 or their position out of it, but they tangentially work with it. Three seasons, spy related. It's very, very good. It's worth your time.
3: Love it. Love it. Okay, stop being a food bully and uh, <laughs> I tell will. Susie you're sorry and all will be well.
2: I might not say I'm sorry, but I will stop being a food bully, at least for the next 25 minutes. Thank you, sir. Drive safe, and we'll reach out again soon. Okay, thanks, Chad. Bye-bye. He's excellent. Simple as that. The former governor of the state of Minnesota, Tim Pawlenty, here on CCO.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas
2: ads is not exactly a spy show, but has elements, the uh, diplomat on Netflix, for sure. Loved it. Did you watch that? I gave it a shot,
4: ah, maybe three, four episodes. It just didn't hook me. It was, honestly, I, I had to pay too close of attention. <laughs> and I don't have the time right now, for the most part, to pay that close of attention. Usually when I have the TV on, I'm yeah you know, on the computer, cleaning, doing something else, folding some laundry. Probably I found myself
2: disgusting website you're on just disgusting. I don't know what you're talking about yeah. I've seen some of the websites you're on
4: because <laughs> you're on them too.
2: yeah, your name's listed right there when i <laughs> when I go on. I love Diplomat, but you're so right uh when we were talking last week, great dramas, and uh Church chimed in. char want to recommend a patriot to me. Which, with the Americans, those are my two most underrated shows the last 20 years. I love Patriot. How old is Patriot?
4: Because I'm not familiar with it that It was one uh, f-
2: 2014, 2016.
4: It just a cable show?
2: Uh, I forget where it ran. It might be an Amazon situation now. Um, it's a... Uh, Terry Is he Terry O'Quinn or is he Terry Quinn? Uh, Locke from Lost.
4: Terry O'Quinn. I'm Terry right O'Quinn.
2: Now. And it's his son who's in this version of like the CIA.
4: Okay. And it was a prime. It was on prime. Yeah? Okay.
2: And his son has the amazing skills to extract himself from trouble. But he is beyond quirky and keeps hurting himself, keeps getting himself in trouble, keeps extracting himself. And then there are like seven other characters on this show who are phenomenal. And there is one character who is such a side character, I don't want to give much away, who is such a side character in most of the first first season, and then becomes about your favorite character possible. In the second season, and you know what the problem was with the show was? You had to pay attention. And I've touted the last couple days, no hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence, and I forget the kid's name. It's just a mindless rom-com. And you know what? Mindless rom-coms are fun, too. Mm-hmm. They really are. But a show like Slow Horses I'm now into, which I think is great, or Diplomat, or whoa, I actually have to function and I shouldn't be on my phone. I shouldn't be chuckling at TikTok. I shouldn't be staring at babes on Instagram. I shouldn't be talking to people. I just have to pay attention. What a novel concept. What a a novel concept. Basically making me read at that point. I think Pawlenty, Minnesota, political pundits now might be my favorite. I think he's great. He's still a Republican. Although in MAGA world, he's AOC.
4: He's a rhino.
2: I mean, He's an actual conservative. Not Trump the opportunist. We just parachuted in because, hey, I, I need to take the opposite party of you. He just as easily could have parachuted in if Mitt Romney beat Barack Obama. I believe that a thousand He's just an opportunist. He's a chameleon. And he won the presidency. <laughs> and he's well on his way to win the nomination. So you just got to tip your cap to his success. And sometimes be baffled how he's arrived there. But I just think Pawlenty tells, a, <laughs> tells the truth. And, yeah, he, you know, when I asked him about voting, he's not voting for Joe Biden. But I think that's where... Like, there are a few texts saying, man, you're underselling the number of Republicans who are fearful of Trump. I think we're also fearful or let's say let's say if you're afraid of of Trump winning. OK, I don't want Trump to win. Do not 100% don't want Trump to win. I don't want my alternative to be Joe Biden. I don't know, you tell me a year and a half now. Me saying he's cognitively not up to the job and shouldn't be on the shouldn't be on the ballot. So this is no big Biden sympathizer of the two. Yeah, a 1,000 percent I would pick Biden over Trump. Um, but at this point, I'm not going to vote for either. Maybe I'll change my mind later, but at this point, I'm not. I'm going to vote for somebody else who's in the race, who I think is better, and I can think of two right now who one's not in the race, one's in the race, but isn't much of a factor right now. But my criteria is if you if you ran in the race, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to potentially write you in because I'm sick of the two party system. I think we're going to undersell the number of republicans who can't stand Trump the human, the lying, but want a republican back in office for all sorts of reasons, fiscal and uh social reasons. I also think, you know, when I say 50-60%, I'm lucky I've got a I I I don't I don't know if I have a lot of friends. I don't know what a lot of friends is. But a, a decent amount of friends. Let's You're very away. popular. We get no, it. No, I didn't
4: say that. We get it. I, not. I don't know if I have a lot of friends, uh, but I probably do. I have 47 million friends. People love me. I honestly have
2: one Republican friend, and I think I probably have more. I don't I don't know. if I, I haven't served. It. There's only one friend of mine who's just a diehard Trump guy, and, and he is. Trust me. <laughs> he is. Whereas all the other folks are like, God, he's bad bleep crazy, but – I they are republicans. And they know what a liar is but they just don't agree with the further left of the democrats. And so it's the combination. So getting back to the 50-60% where I keep saying that that's where most of the country is. Maybe Tim's right. Maybe it's not that much. Maybe I'm maybe it once was and I'm wrong. Maybe it's now Dave 20-30%. And more of it is Magaville and Far Leftville. And when those are my two options, I don't have an option. Because I'm not taking either side in that one. I'm not. So I'm just going to keep blindly voting for somebody who is a centrist. And hopefully some sanity comes into play. Uh, what took place? Would you do it? And do you have a story comparable to it? 36 past two. I'll tell you about that in a moment. Another great tune. A motorist from a Paul Wall story. Keep a little shoddy in the background. What the heck? Dashed out of the pickup truck, West Metro Highway, into the awful weather yesterday. Did a baseball slide down a snowy embankment to rescue a driver whose truck plunged in the icy Crow River. This unfolded beneath highway 101 and Rogers the 25 year old truck driver was heading north highway 101 around 3:15 p.m. Now it's Monday it's MLK day so maybe the roads were a little less quiet than normal and normally this is rush hour uh, and he was driven that part of the road it's uh, normally bumper to bumper because we're doing construction work in that area 100% of the time never stop. That part uh, of the highway with uh, construction work. Air temperature was zero. Christopher Kirk was the first of several vehicle occupants who parked on the shoulders and climbed down towards the river in an effort to help James and all of Fridley, whose vehicle landed on its wheels with the cab only partially above the service. Kirk said he was in his pickup when he saw the box truck launch straight up in the air over the railing, called 911, then bit a baseball slide. On the snow and everything. He arrived to see the driver bend and pinned in the cab with the seatbelt still on. His left shoulder and head were in the water. I saw someone who was on the border on the edge of dying. I'm just going to help this guy out. Since to was waist in frigid water, Kirk felt the current moving as he saw the driver facing the right to get his mouth out of the water. This is stunning. Actually, he's okay. Once getting the affirmative answer, and Kirk recalled saying, Let's get the hell out of here. Thank you. As the two started their ascent, other good Samaritans had made their way down to help the driver back to the highway. He was the only occupant, was taken to a nearby hospital for treatment of what a lieutenant described as minor injuries. A trooper asked Kirk to stay at the scene. I said, That's fine, Kirk said, but I'm going to wait in my truck. I turned up the butt warmers and turned up the heat. Kirk said that when he relayed what happened to his wife, she says, I deserve an award for being a hero. I deserve an award for being an idiot. I'm not a great swimmer. This person so easily could have died. That's not hyperbole, right, from the way this story reads from Walsh and what Christopher Kirk is saying? Could have easily died. Do we think all of us automatically would have done what Christopher Kirk and others did? It's horribly cold outside. You're minding your own business. You're coming home from work. You're going to pick up a kid. You're whatever you're doing. You listen to the early parts of the DeRusha show. And you probably not. Yeah. You. You were hoping Cannon was back. And what, what was this?
4: I assume you're just reviewing maybe something that you missed, or just want to hear again from this show. Yeah, you, you're thinking this show should be yeah, on. You're on the podcast already. Yeah, you're on the podcast. That's a fair point. And you
2: see this down this hill. It would be very easy to say, God, I hope that works out okay. I hope that works out okay. And be genuine about that. I,
4: I guess make some... a phone call. 911. Yeah.
2: I was going to say that next. Maybe make a phone call. Others might not even be faced by it. How confident are you, Dave Harrigan? Not knowing until you go down the hill how life or death this was, because it sure seems like it. How confident are you would do it? And let's add a caveat the girl's in the car with you. If I have Quentin in the car, a son who has seizures and special needs, and I, 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 you know, he's vulnerable, and I don't know what's going on there. Am I convinced I'm going to stop every time? I'm not. Are You, you, have, you have your six- and three-year-old girls. I have the ages, right? Don't I have the right? Older is now seven. Seven. That's right. We had a birthday. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Are you convinced? Nope. No. Not if they're in the car. Not if they're in the car. You're not a – I know you're a great person, right? Pause here for a Do you say I'm an amazing person? I didn't hear that. Um, you're not a bad person if, like, you have other, like, kids or something's going on. I wonder how many people would automatically stop.
4: How many would stop if there was no one else in the car? Yeah. I and mean, forget about the kids. Does that, does that make you a bad person? If there's nothing stopping you. If you've got noth- nowhere to get to, you're just heading home, no appointments. If you see somebody
2: that's struggling in water and you're driving by and you don't do something, then I'm making, I'm casting some questions. Minimum call something, but again, you got to pull over, go down the embankment here. Zero degrees. Zero. We're
5: degrees. talking
2: about a water situation. Yeah. What do we think about this? And have you dealt with something that bad? There were a couple times helping out friends, long time ago, where it was pretty significant, and we did it. But it was, it was, it was. In proximity of the danger in in front of us. Not, no, I don't have an incident where I have pulled off to the side of the highway on my own. It's there, there's difficult conditions. In this case, it's zero, it's 15 below, and I'm going down to embankment having no idea. Maybe the person's safe, fine. Maybe the person's gone. Do you have a story, something comparable to that? I don't. No, I mean, we probably have too many where we maybe have helped out a loved one. You know, I mean, this is a totally different thing, but I've, I've watched Quentin have 30, 40 seizures, right? It's the worst thing that happens in my life. And I had some friends who were in peril, but saw that right in front of my eyes. This is stopping and doing this. Do people, do you have a story that you want to share? And what's your reaction to the story? Well, some time, not a lot, but some time. My fault. We should have got to this earlier. Because uh, the more details, the scarier this sounds. Six five one four six one nine two two six. I'd love to hear from you. Six five one four six one nine two two six. So we're talking about this remarkable recovery, Jason, where the person stops, goes down the embankment. Yeah. The person's in the vehicle. Water's building up, and just the honest question: How many of us would have stopped? Like if yeah. we're just on our own. If you have a child, somebody else, because this wasn't right in front, right? It's one thing if it's right in front and you see somebody struggling in the water. Right. I hope at bare minimum you stop 911. Yeah. But this is stopping your car, busy area, going down the embankment. Right. You're just not a bad person if you just keep going out no. of your life.
6: No, you're not. Have, have you ever stopped or have you ever had someone stop
2: for you? On, on off to the side of the road, look like somebody was in some stress. Yes, both circumstances. But nothing. Nothing that dramatic. In any yeah, way. No, closest. No. I did say I've, had, I've helped out a couple of friends who were in significant stress. Yeah. But they were friends and it was right in front of me.
6: That's totally different. I was amazed. And this does go to this question that you were talking about and Jordana and Adam were talking about as to whether or not people are fundamentally good. And I was in like a spin out crash. I don't know. Had to be. 12 years ago in the snow and cars on interstate 94 in a slick situation where I had gone, Vroom, 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 spun all over the right. highway, right? Crashed into the concrete median, uh, cars pulled behind me to block my car, which is remarkable. for Safety reasons. For safety so somebody reasons. drives in you.
2: That's great.
6: Which is amazing. So, uh, would I, Would I go down and embed, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Being totally honest, I don't think so.
2: Okay. Today, again, it's awful. If I see a car and it's on a busy road, am I automatically in a step? No. Right. I, I'd love to right. say, yes, every time I get out, I put uh, the cape on and I do this. I'll emphasize just more. If it's in front of your eyes, that's just a different yeah, circumstance. It's different. It's different. Let's try to squeeze in Linda. Linda, I wish we had a little more time. We got about a minute and a hard break. If you could share your story, that'd be great.
5: Yeah. About 20 years ago, at the time I was a teacher, I was driving down Shepherd Road. It was uh, about six, seven o'clock at night. It was dark. It was cold. And as I was going down Shepherd towards downtown, I saw a car that had spun around so it was facing into traffic but what happened is my lane was inching past and i looked and i saw a woman terrified she had her lights on i could see there was something leaking from under her car i i thought oh my gosh that could be gasoline for all i know
2: so i literally have 20 seconds what happened I, i wish i had more go ahead
5: I stopped. I convinced her to get into my car. I drove her to meet up with her daughter, and she sent me the nicest thank you card.
2: I'm Mm. glad you did that. Very nice. I wish we had more time. It's just we're up against the top of the hour. Thanks for listening. Jason is next. We'll have some fun with Canopy in a little bit.
0: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.